Amen. Uh, everyone say victory over self. Victory over self. A daily surrender. Amen. Daily surrender. How many of you know our flesh has an expiration date? <laughs> Man. Every day, every day, every day, every day, I'm reminded. Right? I'm almost I'm almost 40. And I'm starting to get reminded. Y'all like, God, like you a baby. Get out of here. I'm still reminded. <laughs> See the little difference? <laughs> amen, amen. But the enemy is renewed. What? Day by day, man. Day by day. So this flesh has an expiration date, all right? And that is the reason why it has an expiration date, because of sin. All right? Because of sin, our flesh has this expiration date. And sin is all about self. Okay. Uh, 1 John chapter 2 verse 16 it says for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world so when Adam sinned sin, uh, when Adam turned his back on God and disobeyed God sin came into the world we all know this sin came into the world and now it, it, it put our flesh, our flesh now has been revealed and has knowledge now. It has knowledge of what is evil. Okay? Our flesh has knowledge of what is evil and guess what? It is attracted to evil. It is attracted to what feels good. And that's the lust of the flesh is attracted to uh, uh, um, uh, 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 finding peace in the world and is attracted to finding hope in sin and is attracted to and then now you have the lust of the eyes about everything you see it gravitates towards you you want it all right things in this world you want it so badly and it will and, and the things that you see not only affects you but it affects the people around you because you're willing to do anything and everything to get it and it's the lust of the eye and the enemy speaks to a heart and mind and says don't you want it you gotta have it. You can't live without it. And guess what? It's so so interesting that the, all the commercials, without maybe really knowing the Bible, they know that there's a lust of the eye. They why you why do you think they spend so much money on commercials? They'll spend millions and millions of dollars on a commercial to catch your eye, right? To catch your eye so you can be drawn in to get the product, to get what they want. And the enemy knows if he can show himself in front of you, if he can show the glamour and show the lights in his world and his lifestyle and what makes you and what can make you feel good and attract your flesh, he knows he can catch you and trap you and keep you in his grasp. Everyone say victory over self. Victory over self. The pride of life, all right? Being being prideful, all right, being feeling like you're better than anyone, everyone else. Feeling like you don't need nobody else. Feeling like you don't need Jesus. Feeling like I don't need no God. I don't need to be at church. I don't need to pray. I don't need to read the word. That's the pride of life because you're saying I can do this thing without God. I could just, I could just give him a little bit. I don't really truly need to be, to be reading. And I don't need to be really seeking him every day. Daily surrender. 
Living by the flesh is an emotional roller coaster. If you live by the flesh, it's an emotional roller coaster. You're going to be up here one day, down here the next. Something make you happy over here. Something make you sad over here. A situation happened over here. Now you're depressed. Anxiety, worry, fear. All of this here is an emotional roller coaster because your flesh can get angry sometimes. It hates people. It, 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 it rolls their eyes. It, it does all kinds of stuff. It's an emotional roller coaster. And because of that emotional roller coaster, because of sin, it, it, it causes you to be in a place of anxiety. It causes you to be in a place where you say, this, this does not feel right. I'm doing things that I'm not supposed to. Why? To satisfy this flesh. But something is, is wrong in my mind, my heart. Something is not quite right. What is it? It's because we were not created to live in sin. Amen. We were not created to walk in sin and have sin to be a part of our life. That is not who we are. And so when we walk in sin and, and have sin upon our life, we find ourselves in a whirlwind of confusion, in a whirlwind of I don't know, in a whirlwind of who am I, in a whirlwind of can somebody help me, a whirlwind of where is the peace in my life? In Romans chapter 8 verse 6 it says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. If we continue to let the flesh guide us and lead us and our mind is following at the flesh, we will find ourselves in a trap every day of our life. That means everything you face in your life, you, you, you allow it to control you. Everything you have um, encountered in life, all of the problems, your boss, your husband, your wife, your children, everything that you encounter in relationship, everything that you come encounter with, it, 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 there's something going on where it's hard for you to face it and handle it. Why? Because your flesh is pulling you this way. It's pulling you that way, saying that this is the right way because it's trying to find peace and it's trying to find peace in sin. Man. It's trying to find hope in sin. And it has us running wild. But God says, and also in verse 6, it says, but the mind governed by the spirit is what? Life and peace. Life and peace. Life and peace. Let's go to Romans 8, 6. Spirit is life and peace. That means there is no earthly solution. There's only the spirit of God. That is the solution. It is the spirit of God entering into our life. That is the only solution that we need to take with us. And listen, the enemy wants to make us so comfortable. He will have us being so comfortable where, listen, everything around me seems to be going good. It seems to be going fine. I got a job. I, 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 I was speaking to someone and they were like, yeah, my, my, you know, this is going good, this is going good. But there's some, for some reason, I just can't find peace. Mm. I'm doing things that I know that they're wrong and I just can't find hope. I just can't find peace. And the reason why is because there is no earthly solution for the joy that you need. Because you were not created. You were not created to find fulfillment and happiness with the world's stuff. True happiness and true joy comes from the Spirit of God. 
And so, I want to paint a picture on this particular day. All right? This is Jesus is getting ready to enter into Jerusalem. Okay? All right, and so, we have a donkey. Everyone say donkey. Donkey. We have palms. Palms. We have Israel shouting Hosanna. Everyone say Hosanna. We have Romans asking, who is this man? We have the Pharisees' chief priests trying to kill someone. And we have them also, the Pharisees and the chief priests, trying to control the ruckus. So all of this is going on between a one and two day period of what is happening on this particular day. Now, before I go any further, there's a history of the mindset of the people of Israel during this time all right. At this time, they were being controlled by Rome. And so there's a history here of, of the reason why they were looking for a king. Now, God gave glory. Now, in the Old Testament, God gave glory when Israel won battles against nations and worshiped false gods. So when the nations worshiped false gods in the Old Testament, God would use the people of Israel who were worshiping the true and living God to go forth and take over the nations that were worshiping false gods. God was showing himself that I am the true and living God. He was letting the nations know. I, that I am the supreme God. Israel has a history here that shows that their God is mighty. They believe that God's intention was to enlarge his nation and to purify their hearts so that he would have a great kingdom, wholehearted worshipers, meaning that it was just going to be them, they were going to spread out, destroy every other nation, and grow their nation as Israelites. This was this is what their mindset was. They said, "How would uh, how would God's king establish His kingdom?" And so, the, the logic on how God would establish His kingdom to the Israelites would be that the Messiah, everyone say Messiah, Messiah. would wage war against the idol worshiping Gentiles and destroy the sinners among the Jews. Most people of Jesus' time believed this. They believe this. During this day, they believe this, that a Messiah was coming. He was coming, and he was about to shut it down. Right. He was about to come. All right? This was the mindset. They was waiting for this Messiah. And, and, and to confirm some of the prophecies of what them believing that this Messiah was coming, to shut it down, to wreak havoc upon the other nation, was that the Messiah was to be the son of David. And you know David. David was a warrior. David came in and he, man, he defeated giants. David came in and defeated kingdoms. He killed more people than Saul. He killed thousands and thousands of soldiers. He was the man. He was a great, great warrior. And so they knew that this Messiah would come from the lineage and descendants of David. And guess what? Jesus is. From the son of David, the lineage, he's part of that descendant. So, hmm, check mark. Jesus, the Messiah. Then also, look for, they look for people like Moses that who defeated the Egyptians and established them as a great nation. They said he's going to be like Moses and perform great miracles, all right? And so, Jesus was feeding 5,000 families out of two fishes and what, five loaves of bread? 
They was waiting at, in, in anticipation for this to come. You ever had a, a package come in Amazon and you waiting for it? Yeah. <laughs> when is it coming? It ain't coming fast enough. When is my package gonna get here? Be watching the door. Huh? This was their anticipation. They was like, man, the king, he's here, it's coming. You see the UPS truck drive by, is that, is that it? They was waiting for this king to come and set them free. And so the, they were worried that Jesus was saying, I am it. Not only were they worried about Israel rising up, but they know that God has a history of winning battles. They know that God has a history. If they truly focus on who God is and they begin to say and to worship the true and living God, Romans, listen, they said, listen, you Pharisees, call these people down because if they truly believe that this is the king, they're going to start some stuff up. And this God, the supreme God, has a history on taking nations down. Yeah. And so listen, the Romans are like, hey, and the reason why the Pharisees had so much to do with it is because they kept the people under control and the Romans was giving them a little bit of money. Yeah. They was giving them a little bit of money. They was giving them fancy robes. They made sure they looked good in front of the people. They made sure they were they strutted real nice. They had good food to eat. They treated them real good. And so they had some kind of power because they had an influence over Israel's people. Ah, oh, man. And so Rome was like, listen, Pharisees, get them under control. Get them under control. And so they went to Jesus. Matter of fact, in Luke 23, two verse, and, and verse 2 through 5, uh, they said, listen, they accused Jesus of stirring up a rebellion against Rome. They said, listen, Jesus, you're stirring up a rebellion. Calm down. You're doing too much. Matter of fact, in Luke 19 and 40, the chief said to them and rebuked, he said, rebuke your disciples. Don't pray. Tell them not to praise you as the Messiah. Tell them not to praise you as king. Yeah. He says, uh, 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 because, because we don't want to start no rebellion here. So make sure you tell the people, rebuke them, tell them to stop calling you king. And Jesus turned to them and said, listen, if I, I, I can't stop them from doing that, but as soon as they stop calling me king, guess what? Admittedly, the rock's going to start worshiping me. Jesus looked at him and said, listen, as soon as I tell them to stop worshiping me as king of kings and Lord of Lord, immediately the rock's going to say, Hosanna, king, we worship him. The rocks? The rocks? I want you to know today, don't allow your flesh to hold back your praise. They were trying to stop the praise of the king of kings from coming to Jerusalem. They were like, slow down, stop this praise. Why? Because they knew a ship was getting ready to happen. They knew a change was getting ready to come. They knew a king was getting ready to take over. And then listen, calm this thing down. But Jesus said, listen, if they don't worship me, the rocks will. I don't know if you want rocks worshiping for you. So you mean it better tell your flesh and your flesh get too tired and your flesh say, listen, I don't feel like waving my hands. You better tell your flesh, no, you better wave your hands. You better lift the king of kings up. You better say yes, glory to your name. Why? Because immediately when you stop, the rocks are going to do it for you. Jesus was a boss. Jesus was a boss. 
on the same time. Now, let's get back to Jesus making his entrance in Jerusalem. In John chapter 12, verse 9, John chapter 12, verse 9, this was, uh, remember now, Jesus had a friend named Lazarus, right? Now, Lazarus was dead. Yeah. And before Jesus entered into Jerusalem, this great miracle happened where Jesus went to where Lazarus was and he raised him from the dead. Yes, sir. Yes. Oh my God. They, he raised Lazarus from the dead and Lazarus was one of his best friends. Oh my, isn't it wonderful to have a friend like Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> Man, Lazarus had a friend named Jesus and Jesus came and said, Lazarus, come out. Get up. You're not dead, you're alive. And so this great miracle went forth. This great miracle happened where Lazarus was raised from the dead. And guess what? It got out quick. People started finding out. They was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is the man. Listen, listen, they took Facebook page of pictures of him and Lazarus. Tweeted, they tweeted it. They Instagrammed it. It got out quick. They were like, yeah, Lazarus is alive. So listen, they, in John chapter 12, verse 9, it got out so fast. This is, it got out in a matter of a day. It got out so fast that people were like, yes, he's the king. Ain't nobody raised nobody from the dead. This is the man. This is he. So it got out that he raised Lazarus from the dead. And now in verse 9 it says, now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came, not for Jesus' sake alone, but they, that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But guess what? The chief priest plotted to put Lazarus back to death. Wow. I wonder why. Because they were trying to keep the hype down. They were trying to keep it down. They didn't want, they didn't want people to know about this King Jesus. They don't want people to listen, listen, let's go back and let's kill this Lazarus. But guess what? The word got out too fast. It was on Facebook, Twitter, and, and Instagram. It was on Snapchat, everything. And it got out too fast and people knew Lazarus was walking around alive and the priest couldn't get to him fast enough to kill him. Why? To take away the, 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 the unctioning that Jesus is the king. In verse 11, it says, because on the account of him, many Jews went away believing in Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They believed in Jesus with this great miracle. They believed in Jesus. And now Jesus was getting ready to enter in Jerusalem. In verse 12, it says, the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, woo! It's time to go. It's time to part. It's time to lift our hands. Jesus is getting ready to come in this place. But before he got there, he told the disciples in Mark 11, get me a donkey. Get me a donkey. What? Man, but this, he's getting ready to come and wreak havoc. You were the king. Shouldn't you be getting a horse? Let's go. He said, go over to this owner and get a donkey. All right? And they was kind of like, okay. 
Did we steal this donkey or are you gonna give us money for it? Because donkeys cost some money. And uh, so they went and God just said, listen, if you grab the donkey, just tell them the Lord sent you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So they went. Can you imagine that? Uh, Jesus told you to go to Walmart and just start getting a bag of groceries and then say, walk out and say, hey, the Lord sent me. We good. We straight. Nah, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> but if God told you, hey, y'all better not be like, Pastor said. So they went, they started untying untie the donkey, right? They started untying, and the owner said, hey, what y'all doing? They probably was like, oh my gosh. We literally got caught untying this donkey, getting ready to take this man's donkey. And uh, they said, uh, uh, the Lord sent us. And they said, okay, you good. Go ahead and take the donkey. going to embrace the poor, I am going to embrace the sick, I am going to 
people that are going through during this time. His choice of a donkey instead of a horse was God's way of saying that he came as a king to serve. That he came as a king to save the oppressed. He says, I will be in the fight right with you. See, the poor, see, and the king was coming to do the military might and all. Guess what? The poor and sick would still be messed up. Right. But Jesus was coming to save us all. Yes. The donkey represented, the donkey represented salvation. Zechariah 9 and 9 says that our king will come on a donkey with a spiritual victory, with salvation. I'll come right where you are. Meaning that Jesus said, I'm coming right where you are. Right in your status, right in your oppression, right in your fear, right in your, your worry and your doubt. Right there, I'm going to be with you right there. I am not going to leave you alone. I'm going to fight right with you. Yeah. I'm bringing salvation for your soul. Why? Because I can give you a military victory. Yeah. But guess what? Your flesh is still dead. I can give you a military victory, and I, 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 I can uphold you, and I can do all this. But if I don't save your soul, Jesus said there's a, there's a bigger battle going on. There is something else happening. There is a bigger issue going on here, and I'm reaching for your soul. I want to save your spirit. I want to save your soul. The enemy has control of your heart and of your mind and of your flesh, and you can't fight this flesh on your own. You cannot overcome this world on your own. You need the power of Jesus Christ to overcome all of the fleshly desires, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Jesus saying, you need me to come and bring you the victory. You need me in your life. This is not just a popcorn uh, victory. This is a victory for eternal life. This is a victory that you will have from this life into the next life. I'm not just trying to save you. And that's the reason why he showed himself by raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is saying, I have the power over this flesh. I have the power over death. I have the power and I'm getting ready to set you completely free. I'm tired of this little thing of being there because you stayed in bondage. Tired of this little thing because you kept going back. Listen, I'm getting ready to do something in your life where you will have a heart and desire and you will have the power to never go back. Never go back into the world. Never go back to drugs. Never go back to alcohol. Never go back to cheating. Never go back to smoking. Never go back. I will give you the power to overcome the enemy that wants to kill you in your brain. Saying, 
I'm giving you the power over your flesh and over your lifestyle. I'm giving them the power to not only when they die, they have the power and ability to rise again. He's saying, I'm giving you the power to rise over every situation in your life. And guess what? He says, I'm going to present you faultless to the world with exceeding joy. Meaning that when people see your life and they begin to see the changes you're making in your life. Yeah, you might be going through the work. You might be going through the growth right now. But God is going to show you himself mighty through your life. He's going to show himself mighty as you continue your walk in him. And people are going to see your life and it's going to be filled with joy because God you're going to be attracting people that had thought that they would never find peace people that thought they would never find joy and they're going to find it through your life they're going to find it through your life there are people hurting and they're dying and Jesus is coming to set us free to have power over this flesh let us stand power